Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Unabridged. Today, we are talking spooky reads, which is perfect for the season. Before we get started, uh, we would love to ask you to review the podcast. If you are a fan, if you are a loyal listener, you know we have asked for this before, but it's been a while since we really promoted reviews, but they really help just make us pop up for other listeners. We can show up in recommended lists on podcast apps. So wherever you listen, especially Apple Podcasts, but anywhere else too, if you don't mind to review us, if you don't have time for a review, a rating helps as well, but those reviews really help other like-minded listeners find us. Um, We do have directions in our highlights on Instagram if you're not sure how to do a review. So you can look at those highlights for more or you can always email us at unabridgedpod at gmail.com if you need some help and we would really appreciate it. All right, before we move on to our spooky reads, we want to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading? So one of the things I'm reading right now is Beth O'Leary's The No-Show. Long-time listeners know that I've read a lot of Beth O'Leary's stuff and... I really loved the switch. I really loved the flat share specifically of the ones I've read of hers. This one is not what I expected, but so far I'm really enjoying it. But there are there are three different perspectives, and it's Siobhan, Miranda, and Jane. And at first, their situations are very different from each other. So Siobhan is a business coach. She's running this very high energy non-stop, on-the-go life. She travels a lot. She is constantly meeting. She does these speeches. Like, so her life is very full, but seems also like she's very maxed out. So you see her. And then Miranda, she works as, I would say, a tree doctor. There may have been a different title in there, but basically, you know, she gets up in the trees. The rest of the team is male. She's climbing up in there. And then she does like, you know, they trim leaves, like those kinds of things. So she has a very physical job, which she loves, but it also is quite dangerous. And so she has that going on. And then Jane has a backstory that is not yet clear. She is now in Winchester. She used to live in London. It's clear that there was an incident in London and that she left her work there And now she's living this like quiet, reserved life in Winchester. She seems very reticent to be out in the world. And she has, she's working for this place, but seems like maybe it's like she's not, it's a volunteer position. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding what's going on with her. But basically you can tell that right now she relies very heavily on routine and she tries to have this very even structure. Well, all three of them are supposed to have a Valentine's date, and the Valentine's date does not show up. And so, as you might imagine, there is a connection between these three women that is not immediately apparent to the reader. 
And so as I was continuing, and again, I'm sure that that's probably true in the book jacket and I just mm-hmm. didn't look, but it was clear over time that the person that stood them up is the same person. And so you're kind of seeing that unfold. Mm-hmm. And they all have like different relationships to Justin Carter as the guy, and they all have different relationships to him, but each of them is somewhat enchanted by him. And we don't really know at at this point, I don't really know his perspective on the whole situation. It's clear that at least Siobhan knows that he sees other women sometimes. And then Jane and he have a book club together. So they are very non-romantic, but she's starting over time to have feelings for him. And then Miranda, as far as I can tell at this point, doesn't seem to have any idea that anything's going on beyond her relationship with him. So I am really interested. It just it was just different than the other ones I've read of O'Leary's. And um, I'm really interested to see what happens and where it goes. And so far, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So that's Beth O'Leary's The No Show. That reminds me a little bit of Farrah Shawn's trilogy, yes. the starting with The Boyfriend Project, right? Is that what the first yes, one is? Yes, yes, yeah. where they all, that one, that one, it's like more apparent earlier on, I think, how, but yes, how all three women become very good friends uh-huh. based on this, this guy common denominator yes. of the guy that is this horrible person who, who none of them knew about each other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like fun. Somehow, I say this every time you talk about Beth O'Leary, I still have never read a Beth O'Leary book. She is on my list. I'm sure I will love her because, yeah, I know that you love her. Anyway. Yeah, when I'm reading this one on print, but I have listened on audio before as well. I know for sure I listened to The Switch on audio, and I loved that also. So I think it works in multiple ways. And yeah, I, I always enjoy her stuff. What about you, Jen? What are you reading? So I am almost done with Elena K. Arnold's Red Hood. I'm going to proceed carefully, but I will just say I am loving this YA feminist retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. I used to teach, I had this great anthology, oh gosh, probably a decade ago, that had all of these different retellings of Little Red Riding Hood. And then I used to teach and we'd go back and look at like the origins of the story. And it definitely has some roots in issues that are very rooted in feminism or anti-feminism at the time it started. So I think it's perfect that she has chosen that fairy tale to retell. And I really liked Arnold's previous book, Damsel. That's the only other thing I've read by her, but I loved it. And it was a feminist sort of take on the damsel in distress and their dragons. And so anyway, it was great. So this one, the main character's name is Bizu. And she is, it opens with her at a dance with her boyfriend, who is a really sweet guy. You find out that she has been raised predominantly by her grandmother. And they are really, really close. Um, Her grandmother fully approves of this boyfriend. So, uh, and one, I will just say this, I would consider this to be upper YA. So, it's like prom night, and so Bizu and her boyfriend have decided that this is the night, you know, they are going to have sex, and she is older, but she has not started her period yet, and both things happen on prom night, and because of that, she's pretty traumatized. She's she's embarrassed because she hadn't expected it to happen, and she runs away from her boyfriend into the woods, and... 
you know, she's trying to collect herself and she is attacked by a wolf that she kills. And the next day she makes her way home and she finds out that a boy from her high school was found naked and dead in the woods, killed in the way that she killed the wolf. So you can see where it's going. And yeah, the book evolves from there in these layers. We are uncovering Bizu's story, her grandmother's story, and the story of boys who become something else. I think it is really, Arnold is just great at questioning the ways that the story is portrayed. There have been some female victims of crimes and their deaths are depicted by the media in very different ways from the deaths of these boys. There's a lot of consideration of boys on a team and how they act when they're together versus how they act when they're on their own. Anyway, it's, it is brilliant. I'm listening to this one. It is great on audio. I highly recommend it. It, it is really serious. It is really dark. So it is not one of those light little fairy tale retellings. It is digging in at the roots of the darkness, which is true of most fairy tales when you look at their origins. But it is really brilliant. So that is Elena K. Arnold's Red Hood. Man, Jen, I got to read that. I still haven't read Damsel, but I remember that you, I remember you sharing about that mm-hmm. one when you read it. So I, those are both on my list. Yes. And they're both pretty short. It's kind of nice to pick up a book that you know is going to be really thought provoking, but it's also not 700 pages long. Not that I don't love a big chunky book, but all right. Well, we are going to move on to our main discussion. And today we are just recommending a couple of spooky reads that might get you in the mood for the season. So Ashley, what would you like to recommend? So I'm going to go with Zoraida Cordova's The Inheritance of Orquita Divina. I shared a little bit about this one when I read it. I, I think I did a book review, so I can link that. But I just wanted to circle back to it as a great pick for a spooky read. I loved this book. So this is about a large family, the Montoyas. And early on, you meet Marimar and Ray. And they live in the same city they're away from their families like home of origin their cousins they are I think they're both in New York City and I actually think they live together some and you know so so they're still really connected to each other but they are away from their family's home and they get these something comes in the mail but it is not it has no postmark it has no stamp, that kind of thing. It just appears. And immediately Marimar is like, knows the handwriting and she knows that it's their grandmother and that their grandmother is sending them something. And so the thing that comes in the mail is an invitation to attend their grandmother's funeral, Orquita's funeral. And so Orquita is sending it out to the whole family. She's calling them back home. They have this home in Four Rivers that it has a lot of kind of mystical aspects of it. And so she's calling everybody home to win- to be there for her own death. Obviously, she's still alive when she's sending the thing out. So they have been summoned. And a lot of it is about, early on, is about going to that and going to see her. And I think that the family expects that they are going to get all these questions answered by Orchida 
before she dies. And so they all go to find out, as the title says, about their inheritance. But also, I think a lot of them think that these, like, mysteries that have plagued them throughout their lives and that surround her will be disclosed. And that is not the case. So then, you know, from there, they've got to do some discovering about all these secrets that she seemed to hold within her during her life that now are having an impact on them because of their lineage connected to her. So at first, it seems like everything's fine after that initial family gathering. But seven years later, all these things start to unravel. And so time passes, and then all of a sudden, separate from each other, things start happening to the family members, and it's clear that some of this secrecy that had been, you know, that they hoped would have resolved is not resolved. And so it becomes this kind of frantic, mysterious journey to try to uncover what Orchidea was hiding, why, and what they can do to try to heal their family so that these things won't continue to plague them. So, I mean, I loved it. I felt like, I mean, it had, as you can tell from that very brief overview, it has lots of magical elements that are beautifully woven into the story. But then it also has, and it has an air of, you know, the, the mystery that there's this mystery of people we love and that we can't know everything about them. And so that's really interesting. And then there's also this idea of Orquieta has she came from Ecuador. She traveled to Four Rivers. She establishes her family there in Four Rivers. And then there's just that kind of this feeling that she did all of these things to set up this life for her family. But then she covered all these secrets for reasons that we don't know early on and that that has a cost. And so, I mean, I loved it. So there's lots of, there's definitely magical components. I feel like I would describe it as magical realism for different parts. There's also the paranormal. I mean, so it is a great spooky read. People who listen often know that I am not big on a lot of the like horror or thriller. This one to me has elements that definitely make it great for a spooky read, but I also feel like it is just a really well-woven story And I mean, I looked back at Goodreads and it is listed. It has lots of genres listed. And so horror is listed there. But again, I would say that this one, if you're not big on super graphic stuff or things that are really, really scary, I mean, none of that was true, but it is like definitely within the magical realm. So yeah, I mean, I just thought it was great. And I wanted to circle back to it when we were talking about our spooky reads, because I, it's one that has stayed with me. It has high ratings, you know, I feel like it's been well received and it is one that is well worth it if you have not read it. And I just think it is a very intricate plot, but it holds up really well and and unpacks. I mean, I was very surprised at a lot of different times. So I feel like, you know, it unpacks a lot of things in a really compelling way. So I I was like, oh, I will definitely read more of Cordova's stuff after I read this one because I just thought it was such a great book. So again, that is Zoraida Cordova's the Inheritance of Orquida Divina. And I listened on audio and I loved it. Oh, I love that one too. I read that one in print and yeah, it was great in print as well. So yeah, that was really good. What about you, Jen? What's your recommendation? 
I'm recommending The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas. And this one I actually had on my wish list because I had seen it compared to both Mexican Gothic and Rebecca, two absolutely amazing haunted house stories. I'll go ahead and jump ahead to our episode, our book club episode in two weeks and say that this would make a great pairing for that book. She is a haunting. And I loved this one so much because it has those haunted house elements, but it is also using them as a way to have some really great discussions of social issues that I thought were really fascinating. So it is set during the Mexican War of Independence, and the main character, Beatriz, her father was involved in the war in a way that has become a political liability for her family. So they, she and her parents were in a very prominent position and they have lost that position in a way that has left them bereft. They've lost their status, but they've also lost their money. And so she and her mom are left alone and they are really struggling just to survive in addition to being sad that, you know, all of the things that they once had are no longer there. So Beatrice makes a decision against the wishes of her mother and marries this guy named Don Rodolfo Solorzano. And he is part of the new government. And so she feels as if this is a way to make sure that she and her mother are going to be safe and potentially can regain their previous status. But she's really more focused on just safety and survival. Her mother is not having any of it. So Beatrice is is really isolated. She travels with Don Rodolfo to his home, Hacienda San Isidro, and it is in the countryside. It is far away from its nearest neighbors, but Beatrice is determined that this is just going to be life-changing and that she's going to make the best of it and she's going to make a good life with Don Rodolfo. They know it's not a love match. They both know that they are you know, creating this marriage because of reasons other than their feelings for each other, but they like each other fine. There are some interesting rumors about Don Rodolfo's first wife that Beatrice just kind of sidesteps. So that that's part of it too. You can see the Rebecca things here. So Beatrice goes, she, she's trying to get used to this new life, to this marriage, to being not on good terms with her mom. And so she's really looking to make some connections with people. Don Rodolfo's sister, Juana, at first seems like that might be a good possibility for a friendship, but Beatrice quickly figures out that Juana is really resentful of her position on, I mean, it really is like a plantation on this plantation because she is a woman, even though she is very capable, she is not able to have the position that she would like to have. Don Rodolfo, you know, inherited everything. There's also a lot here. So Beatrice is darker skinned than Don Rodolfo and his sister. And there is some judgment there as well. And Beatrice, you know, has been aware that this is a reason that she's looked down upon by society, but she sort of thinks, that her husband's family is going to be okay with it. She finds out that's not true. So there's all of that developing. The only real connection she makes is with one of the servants at the home. So that develops as the book continues. Then the other thread running through the book is this guy named Padre Andres, who grew up on the plantation in this hacienda 
but was banished. And Beatrice doesn't know why he was banished, but he was banished. And he was sent away to become a priest, essentially. But what you find out is that his family background is quite complicated, and they are actually known as powerful wielders of of magic, basically. And because people like him have been targeted, his grandmother thought that going into the priesthood and getting sort of the cover of religion might be a good way to keep him safe. So he's now returned. Okay, so Beatrice's husband, Rodolfo, goes back to the capital because he has to do political things there. She's left alone, and she starts noticing that the house is doing these really weird things <laughs> and that it is haunted by someone. She doesn't know by whom. And she asks for help from Andres. And I think that's as far as I can go. There's more stuff I want to talk about, but I think that's as far as I can go. But you can see already. So there's a haunting, but the haunting is you, you aren't sure which of the social problems that have been laid out is the source of the haunting, but they all seem to be sort of circling around the haunting of the house. I will say it's a great haunted house tale. So I have mixed feelings about those. Sometimes I'm like, well, whatever. But this one, you're like, yes, it would be really terrifying to be in this home. And why are they not all leaving? But also then they've done such a good job of showing that Beatrice does not have any options that you understand why. Where would she go? She's so isolated that she really just does not have any potential escape routes. So she's stuck in this haunted house. And yeah, bad things happen. <laughs> <laughs> As they do in haunted houses. As they do. That's right. So anyway, that is The Hacienda by Isabella Canas. And it was a great reading experience. I think it would be a perfect October read. Gosh, that sounds really good, Jen. Yeah, I think you would love it. It, It's, yeah, there's so much there to dig into, but the story holds together really well. It's it's a fun one, yeah. Yeah, I do enjoy some reads. I I enjoy the seasonal reading, so Mm -hmm. we'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we would love to know what spooky reads you would recommend. You can reach out to us on social media at unabridgedpod or send us an email, unabridgedpod at gmail.com. We are ending with our new spotlight segment, and we can just spotlight whatever we want. So, Ashley, what would you like to spotlight? I'm taking a little peek at Jen's here and seeing that she has a show, I think, to recommend. I'm actually going to recommend this is a product I really like. I'm always on the lookout for things in the bathroom that get me away from single-use containers. So there's a million ways to try to work on that. The bathroom is a good target because all of our, like, bottles of stuff come in bottles. And one that I really, and that has been a project I've had going for quite a while, however, varying degrees of success. So there are lots of things that I've just had to circle back to a product or I've had a lot of uh, failed attempts. (laughs) So I just wanted to share one that I really love. This is Ethique is the company. They are based out of New Zealand. You can get their stuff on Amazon. You can also order from them directly, but they have a lot of different products. The one that I love is called the Bliss Bar, and I use that for, it's a face cleanser, and so I actually use it to wash off. If I'm wearing makeup, I use it to wash off my makeup and also to wash my face, and so I really, that has been a good success for me. So I just wanted to share that as a product that I don't remember how I first came across 
it, but it has been a winner. So when I was thinking about stuff to spotlight, that is definitely one that I'm like, that was a kind of great discovery that I thought I could share. So what about you, Jen? What's your spotlight? As so often happens, I have some TV shows to recommend. And these are ones I did watch back in the summer, but I am still thinking about them. One, I think I'm not going to talk about much because I think most people know about The Bear. But I will just say, if you have not watched season one, I loved. And season two is even better. And you can watch that on Hulu. And I loved it. But the show I want to recommend that I, I had not heard much about is Somebody Somewhere... And you can watch it on Max, formerly HBO Max. And it is, it kind of reminds me of Fleabag, though it is very different. But it reminds me of Fleabag in that it is both incredibly funny and also incredibly sad and tender. And the main character is a woman who returned to her small hometown in the Midwest to take care of her sister who was dying of cancer. The show begins after her sister's death when her purpose for being in her hometown is no longer there, but she is just stuck. And she doesn't really have any friends. She's not very close with her family. There's a lot of conflict there. She is working at a company scoring standardized test essays <laughs> and there's a guy there who gets her attention and she realizes that they went to high school together and they were both in choir and he sort of extends an invitation to her to attend they call it choir practice and it is in a church sort of like the church is in this old mall but it is not associated with church at all and yeah, it is just about this burgeoning friendship, about grief, about family who you love but have nothing in common with and maybe don't like all that much, but how you can find family outside of the people you were born with. I, I loved it. This is one of my, my treadmill shows and I had to stop it on multiple occasions, sometimes because I was laughing so hard, sometimes because I was just sobbing because... It's so sad and beautiful, and I just love it so much. So that's somebody somewhere, and it's really great. It, I will also say it is super crass. So <laughs> if you do not have a crass sense of humor, you may really be uncomfortable with this one. I would not watch with this with my mother or my kids <laughs> because I would be really embarrassed, but I loved it so much. So yeah. anyway. <laughs> that sounds great. It's really good. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to our spooky reads episode for this year and don't forget to give us a review if you are so inclined thanks so much do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today we'd love to hear them you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter at unabridged pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us to get more involved you can sign up for our newsletter join a buddy read or become an ambassador thanks for listening to unabridged